This is season four of Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Listen, laugh, and learn. This week on the show, all about useless fashion. What do we know about fashion? (laughs) (laughs) And we go back in time with useless history. I will have our latest email from our mailbag and news from around the world. Totally useless information. It's everything you never needed to know. Can you believe it? Episode 19. Here we go. Welcome to the Totally Useless Information Fashion Show. Oh yeah, I wore my best fedora today. So a couple of episodes ago, uh, you mentioned long johns, that you like to wear long johns. Mm-hmm. So our crack research department went and looked for useless information about... Our research department is on crack, Nick. They're not crack. <laughs> oh, that's what they mean by that. Okay, all right. I, I didn't understand that. Uh, yeah, so the crack staff with the staff on crack found this about Long John. Some historians claim that the British cloth and clothing manufacturer John Smedley of Lee Mills of Derbyshire, England, is responsible for introducing Long Johns to the public. Sometime the 19th century. Yeah, I like Derbyshire. Yes. Worcestershire. Worcestershire. (laughs) Now, they thought it was, he named it after a famous heavyweight, bare-knuckle boxer by the name of John L. Sullivan, who always entered the ring wearing only his long underwear. Wow. John, he was a, John Sullivan was a great fighter. But during Canada's 19th century Klondike gold rush, Another mill, Stanfields of Truro in Nova Scotia on the East Coast, grow rich selling woven wool long underwear to prospectors heading to the frigid Yukon. So this two-piece design wasn't patented until 1915, but long johns are notably two separate pieces of fabric. And of course, dubbed the union suit, it has the iconic rear flap or the, quote, drop seat. It's already, it's always good to have that um, flap day, you know? Yeah. The most popular item of clothing worn by both men and women. What do you think it is, Nick? Um, it has to be um, long johns. <laughs> now, I thought it would, would have been like blue jeans or something like that. Yeah. Right? Okay, but it's not. And, no. And it's common sense. It's a T-shirt. Oh. A T-shirt, the standard crew and, and uh, neck T-shirt. There are over Whoa, that's God talking in the background, folks. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Both Nick and I, really bad thunderstorms right now. Both on he's fifteen hundred miles away in Toronto, Canada. He's having bad thunderstorms. I'm down in Naples, Florida, and I'm having severe thunderstorms. So if you hear that in the background, that's happening. Yeah. Like that. Whoa. There you go. Yeah. Uh, just so that you know, not only are we in 57 different countries around the world, the people listen to totally useless information with Nick and Roy. God is also listening. And boy, is he pissed. He loves this show. He said it. The mo- so, so listen, there's 2 billion T-shirts sold every year. 2 billion. 2 billion. Wow. That's crazy. I think we're in the wrong business. Maybe we should start printing T-shirts. Hmm. There's an idea. Hey, is that a cod piece in your pocket? Or you're just happy to see me. 15th and 16th century men sought to accentuate their packages with cod pieces. They're often made of padded cloth or embroidered fabric. 
Tough metal cod pieces were also worn for those really tough days. Held in place with buttons, strings, or ties, the cod piece was designed to draw praise and raise a man's profile. Even the name was knowingly body cod was slang for scrotum. I I don't need one. <laughs> so if you're going cod fishing, you're going scrotum fishing? Is that what it is? <laughs> Remember we said that cops wear blue because blue was the color of loyalty, so cop uh, police uniforms were made blue? Yes, that's we right. said that uh, a couple episodes ago. Mm -hmm. But did you know that medieval women wore green to attract a husband because green was the color of fertility. So the younger ladies looking to get married off were walking around in green to show that they were very fertile. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and they were green with envy. Now, I got to say this because, you know, you got like women's movement and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. did, nobody told them to dress in green. They just did it. They took it upon themselves. So you women have to make up your mind. We'll leave this for another time, too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, but wow. they walked around to, to display their fertility. I wonder if it worked. I, I, I don't know. Scares me. I see a flaw. Here's what I see. Mm -hmm. What if you're colorblind? How would the guy know? He wouldn't. Right. He'd probably pick a bum one that's wearing <laughs> <laughs> There were detachable collars that were popular in the 19th century. They could be deadly. Starched collars were, well, they starched to the point where they were so hard, they were unbendable and attached with a singular... They should have stuck. They should have stuck those in their long johns instead of the cut. <laughs> no, they cut themselves. <laughs> so they were they were attached by a singular or a pair of studs, or maybe they were studs. I'm not sure. The collar could slowly asphyxiate. Asphyxiate. That's the one. <laughs> Choke a man. Particularly if he fell asleep or passed that was out. the company that made them. That was Chocoman. <laughs> Asphyxiate. That's the word. There you go. My my dentures were slipping. I apologize. So if he fell asleep or passed out while drinking, it could be really, really deadly. Oh wow! Yeah, they were so tight wow. because they weren't bendable. They they put so much starch in your collars. Yeah, cardigan sweaters are a warm, cozy thing to wear, right? Yes. But did you know that the first ones were knitted cardigans for the military? The cardigan was a knitted military jacket. War was a very different thing back then. First off, <laughs> guys were looking around for women in green. And then, and then on top of it, they were going to war going, oh, look at this. <laughs> thread loose on my cardigan <laughs> if she's wearing a green cardigan go after her uh corsets have been around in one form or another since the fifth century i know we're doing history next but this is more like uh, the history of fashion around the fifth century these corsets were originally made of stiffened fabric or cod pieces. Or the cod pieces. That's yes, right. And then evolved. <laughs> the old collar. <laughs> the old starch collar. Is that a starch collar in your pocket? Um, <laughs> so these these stiffened fabrics evolved into cage-like contraptions made from whalebone, wool, or steel. Oh, there's nothing like comfort. Yeah. Corsets caused organs to shift around and caused indigestion 
and constipation, but they weren't deadly, so don't worry. Marilyn Monroe, she was known to attack a couple of cod pieces or two. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly, yes. Marilyn Monroe wore a dress encrusted with 6,000 rhinestones. She wore it to a premiere of a movie. She was such a big deal at the time. She was such a big star that when she passed away, of course, unexpectedly, in 1999, they auctioned off some of her dresses in that particular dress. How much do you think they got for that dress at auction? Oh, I'm sure it got millions. Five million. No, well, not that much. $1.26 million at auction. Wow. $1.26 million. What do they do with it? Do they wear it? I would, pay, they... I, I would pay $5 million and wear it. Yeah, I would. I've, in fact, he's wearing one right now. You're listening to Totally <laughs> Useless Information with Nick and Roy. And a codpiece. <laughs> and a codpiece, yes. What happens tomorrow is history. Yeah. 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 In ancient Greece, it is believed that when a red-headed person died, mm-hmm. They would come back to life as a vampire. Well, that sucks. Yeah, well, because partly because, first off, most of the Greeks were dark-skinned and darker hair as well. So when they saw these uh, red-headed people with very light skin who really didn't stay out in the sun much, they actually thought that they were vampires and couldn't come out in the sunlight. And when they died, they came back as vampires. Ooh. I thought maybe they would burst into flames in, in direct sunlight. Could could be. They were yeah. so fair skinned. Hey, no. Do you think because they had red hair, they'd they'd have a red cod piece? <laughs> <laughs> no, more like a red herring. <laughs> no flies on the pharaoh. In ancient Egypt, speaking of Egypt, the pharaoh's servants were quite loyal to the pharaoh. This is how loyal they were. They allowed them to be smeared with honey. In order to attract the flies away from the pharaoh. Wait, but didn't it attract the flies? They would no, no. The servants were smeared in honey, so the flies would be attracted to the servants and not the pharaoh. You see? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. No flies on you. Wow, that's pretty bad. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about pretentious. (laughs) (laughs) So then the servant went home. Hi, honey. I'm home. No, don't say honey. Hey, you stupid. Go roll around in that honey. Okay. <laughs> Two of the most popular pets in the Roman Empire. What do you think? Dogs, cats? Lions. No. Close, though. <laughs> Not close. Dogs. No, dogs were third place. The most popular animals, domesticated animals during the Roman times were ferrets. Mm-hmm. Because ferrets ate mice and sometimes rats, depending upon the size of the ferret, <laughs> I guess. Right. And monkeys. Monkeys. Wow. Monkeys were monkeys were brought into the household and domesticated because they kept them entertained. Think about it. There's no TV. There's no nothing to do. So at night, they throw the monkey out in the middle of the floor and he does some tricks and people loved it. Wow, monkeys! I, you know, I, I figured lions, right? Because they fought the lions in in, in the Colosseum, which, by the way, they just refurbished, and people are now al- are now allowed to visit 
the inner uh, workings of the Colosseum in Rome. It's quite interesting. So we'll talk about that in a future episode when we do geography. But you're listening. Bring, bring your cod piece. Bring your cod piece. That's right. What's admission? Cod pieces. Uh, you're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Um, this one I call The Honest Wrestler. Abraham Lincoln, who served as the 16th president of the United States from 1861 to 1865. Of course, that was the year he was assassinated. But before he became a politician, he was a champion wrestler. In fact, I heard this. He he was involved in over 300 wrestling matches to his credit. He only lost one. Mm. And for that, he was inducted in the National Wrestling Hall of Fame. In 1992. Well, just a little brief thing on Abraham Lincoln. We were in the car the other day, and of course, you know me with the totally useless stuff. Yes. We were sitting there, and my son was in the car, and we said, who was the tallest president? And I thought it was Donald Trump because he's he was extremely tall. Right. But uh, it ends up that Abraham Lincoln, uh, six, four and a half or something like that, Donald Trump was like an inch or two behind him. That's it. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Pretty cool, right? Yeah. St. Lawrence. St. Lawrence. You know how the Catholic religion has a patron saint for just about everything? Yes. You know what St. Lawrence is the patron saint of? Of patron saints. No. He's oh. the patron saint of chefs and cooks and comedians. Now, this is weird, Comedians? Right? Okay. Chefs, yeah. cooks, and comedians. Okay. But when I explain now, this is no lie. He was persecuted by the Romans for being a Christian. So the Romans had some nice things. They put people on crosses. Well, there was one thing called the gridiron. They would put you in between these two metal plates, and then they'd put you over a fire and spin you around like a like a big roast. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, that wasn't fun. So they chose that yeah. fate for St. Lawrence who was known as Lawrence at the time. But anyway, yeah, that's right. Anyway, so. <laughs> Just Larry. His friends call him Larry. Larry, get inside the, the cage, okay? So they put Larry <laughs> over the fire, and here is Larry's last words. The legend says that he told his Roman executioners, quote, unquote, please turn me over. I'm well done on this side. <laughs> Those were his last words. Wow. So he became the patron saint of cooks, chefs, and comedians because it was literally one of the most comedic, sad gestures I've ever heard in my life. Funny Larry, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Turned me off. Well, listen, I mean, when you're just about to die, you figure it might as well be funny. You know, you'll, you'll die laughing. As yeah, and people need to, to go to nickandroy.com and send us emails on, on all their crazy stuff like this. That's right. You know? Yeah. Because we do get we get, like that thing with Trump. That was that was off the cuffs. My son was asking me a question. See, we're so always say, surrounded by totally useless information. Not just when you listen to the podcast. You say tomato. I say lawsuit. In eight, <laughs> in eighteen twenty, in eighteen twenty, this town of Salem, New Jersey, held a trial. Hold on, hold on. Let me catch up. <laughs> <laughs> listen, your beefsteak. Um, <laughs> The trial was against tomatoes. The charge, tomatoes are poisonous, or they were poisonous. That was the charge. The trial ended when Colonel Robert Gibbon Johnson ate a basket of tomatoes without getting sick, and therefore, they proved them wrong. Tomatoes are not poisonous. Who thought they were poisonous? 
people around the town saying, don't eat the tomatoes because they're poisonous. Oh my so God. they held a lawsuit against tomatoes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, you know, that's pretty ridiculous, but it I mean, is. that's what this show's about. <laughs> it's totally useless information. Get ready for this one. This one got me. It's sad. It's really sad, but it's like one of those things that people have to know. A woman and her five children who lived in Oregon. Mm-hmm. Now, get, this is Oregon I'm talking about. They were the only two casualties of World War II to die on U.S. soil in Oregon. The Japanese from one of the islands attached a bomb to a balloon and let it up. The bomb the bomb was attached to the balloon and tra- went with the trade winds over the United States. It went hit the stratosphere and the balloon explodes and then the bomb comes down. Well, this particular bomb landed wow. on a house in Oregon. <laughs> this is upsetting. But they were the only casualties of World War II to die on U.S. soil. This is what I call hard as a rock and roll. Elvis Presley died on August 16, 1977. Hmm. It was rumored for the longest time that he died of a heart attack. Right. But it was not. It was actually his lifelong suffering from constipation. Get it? Hard as a rock and roll. Yes. He died while on the toilet pooping and suffered due to a condition called megacolon. Yeah, they they believed that he was pushing so hard that he had a stroke. That's right. But he'd been suffering this throughout his whole life. So those of you who don't give a crap, please remember Elvis Presley on August 16th, 1977, the day that rock and roll Boy, died. that's a sh- It's a crappy disease. It is, yes. Uh, yeah. Wow. You think he could have just relaxed a little and sat on a stool. <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to totally useless information. You think as a kid he liked to play with Lincoln Logs? <laughs> he loved to wrestle with he loved to wrestle with Lincoln Logs. Hey, I think he I think he smuggled some Lincoln Logs. He did. <laughs> Hey, if you'd like to go to uh, to our website, we invite you to do so right now. No, wait till the show is over. Go to nickandroy.com, and you can send us an email. What you do is you go to the website, nickandroy.com, click on Contact Us, and just send us your email, and then you will be on our show. You should do it, because we put so many people on the show, and it's great. You can get on the show. You can be famous. Like this one. What's in the mailbag? What's in the mail? John Lamont from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania writes, Dear Nick and Roy, we'd love listening to your show every week. In fact, when we went to your website, nickandroy.com, see, we're starting to rub off on people because now they're mentioning the website in their emails, okay? Yeah, they're actually giving us a plug. That's right, within the email, which they went to nickandroy.com and wrote the email. NickandRoy.com, you mean? NickandRoy.com. We went on your website, (laughs) NickandRoy.com. We started listening to your library of shows. Really entertaining. Why, thank you. Here's my question. My neighbor has a rooster in his yard. (laughs) What (laughs) What's this guy's name? John Lamond. Of course, every morning it crows, and it's really, really loud. How are roosters not deaf? Here's his question. How are roosters not deaf because of the loudness of the crowing? 
Well, John from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, thank you for your email. He went to nickandroy.com. A rooster crows because he has an internal clock that helps him or her, I guess him, anticipate sunrise. Mm. A rooster's call can reach 140 decibels or louder. Wow. It turns out that the farm fowl have built-in earplugs. According to researchers, they found that when a rooster opens its beak to crow, its external auditory canals close off, preventing sound from coming in. Humans have that. Human men have that. It's called after five years of marriage. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Our ears close off. We hear what we hear. Or their external ordinary canals are closed off, preventing sound from coming in and serving as natural earplugs. So, yes, either roosters or if you're married more than five years. We love you, honey. So why doesn't John just get a pair of earplugs like the rooster? That's a great question. So John and for, and <laughs> so for, write us back, John. Get the earplugs right. and then write us back if it works. Right. Let us know. Either then, that, one of two things. Yes. Earplugs or twelve gauge shotgun. Either one will work. Or BB gun. Okay. Oh, hold I on. I bet you that. I bet you that son of a bitch rooster hears that. Yeah, he does. <laughs> That'd be the last thing he hears. Uh, Peter on line two. Peter on line two. So what? Oh, say again, hi to Peter. Yeah, for I got me. Peter's a nice guy. Go to nickandroy.com. What's in the mail? Peter. For something completely useless. Why do you go to me with the use <laughs> something completely useless? Well, okay. I mean, if you must know, if you're regular listeners to the show, you know that we alternate week after week. One week I'll do mailbag, and then we're mm-hmm. able to use this information. So, so I have something useful. You do? Yeah, a cod piece. Is <laughs> a useless fact for you folks. Yes. And it's funny because we talked about Abraham Lincoln and Trump being tall, right? Yeah. Well. This is 100% great useless information. The tallest married couple ever recorded, folks, get your pencils. Tallest married couple was seven foot 11, Anna Swan, who married Martin Van Buren Bates, who was seven nine. So she was actually taller than him. Okay. They also had a child. And that child was almost a record holder, or was at the time, 22 pounds at birth. Oh. Yeah. 22 pounds. Every female in the audience, whether they have kids or not, are squirming in their seats right now. Exactly. Needless to say, Anna Swan was not dancing like a swan after that birth. (laughs) No, she wasn't. Like riding a horse. I'll tell you the truth. She was probably bow-legged. I know that sounds a little harsh, but... Wow. 22 pounds. Ladies, you can you can definitely sympathize with that. <laughs> wow. You're listening to Totally Useless Information with Nick and Roy. Today we talked about fashion. We talked about history. It's time for the news. And now, from around the corner and around the world, this is TUI News. Police in Sydney, Australia have fined two men who had to be rescued from an Australian forest after they were startled by a deer while nude sunbathing on a beach and became lost. All right, the, the two guys... Were naked. They were nude sunbathing together. That's right. And they were startled... By the deer. By Bambi. 
Yes. <laughs> the men called for help around 6 p.m. after they became lost in the Royal National Park just south of Sydney, Australia. Now they were lost. They so were lost, right. So they got startled. That's right. So they got startled by the deer, went running into the forest, they got lost. According to the police, unbelievably, we saw two men sunbaking naked on a beach on the south coast. They call it sunbaking. We call it sunbathing. But where is this, Australia? Australia, yes, down under. Did you just see? Hello, mates. Uh, this is Captain Morgan. <laughs> Captain Morgan. We got two cod pieces at the beach. <laughs> they were startled by a deer, ran into the National Forest, and got lost. Their rescue involved police aircraft, the state emergency service, and ambulance officers. The men, aged 39, uh, 30 and 49, were fined 1000 Australian dollars or $800, almost $800 U.S. One was 30 and one was almost 50. That's right. Each for this wasn't father and son, was it? I, it doesn't say, but now they were Did anybody fined. anybody get the age of the deer? <laughs> I think you know that underage deer stuff I don't go for no we don't so they were fined 1,000 Australian dollars not for indecent exposure but for breaching a stay at home pandemic order they oh. were so Sydney Australia at the time and I think maybe now as, as of this recording they're still in their lockdown but they were fined for breaching the stay at home pandemic the younger man was found naked and carrying a backpack so he wasn't totally naked. And all they had to do was wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Wear a mask and, the, and they didn't have to, get a, they didn't have to pay a around, fine. around <laughs> bumping into things with a mask on, they would have been fine. In yes. Australia, you know. But That's nobody right. ever talks about the poor doe. No, the they don't. <laughs> by this whole incident. Doe. Should be definitely taken care of. It needs some help. It should be get some psych- psychotherapy, it maybe. Yes. I'm sure it has PS. What it's called? PTSD. PTSD, or in this case, a PTPDSD, which is post deer syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, according to the police, there were a pair of idiots. Because the young man was found naked and carrying a, carrying a backpack, but the older man was partially clothed. I guess while running away from the deer, he found his clothes. Of he thought it was horny. <laughs> <laughs> so clearly putting people at risk by leaving home without a proper reason, then getting lost in a national park is totally, absolutely unacceptable, and I think they should be embarrassed. Well, the clothes in the backpack, this is what I want. <laughs> they probably they were. no way to put these clothes on when they were startled by the deer. Now, the temperature range in Sydney, the mm. town nearest to where the men were lost, was 3 degrees Celsius, which is 37 Fahrenheit. Wait a second. So it was cold. It was cold to 19 degrees or 66 Fahrenheit. So they had like a frozen cotton. <laughs> a, frozen, a frozen shrimp on the Barbie. Oh, dear. No wonder the deer. The deer probably said, look at these idiots. That's right. They have perfectly good clothes, and they took them off. Boy, I did. wish I could do that with my fur. <laughs> oh, dear. And that's all the time that we have for this week's episode of Totally Useless Information. We will scour the internet far and wide to get more useless information for you guys next time. So in the meantime, you guys need to go to nickandroy.com. That's www.nickandroy.com. Leave us an email. We'll get back to you. We promise. And probably we'll put you on the show. Be a little witty, too. We'd like that. And also, please tell a friend about the trend. 
Tell everyone you know to listen to Totally Useless Information on all your podcast platforms. I'm Nick. And I'm Roy. Thanks for listening.